Podcasting is a really funny thing. It has been a year since the podcast had first came out, the first ever episode of Grace Radio. That's pretty impressive. Thank you very much. If you haven't listened to it, which I thoroughly recommend you should, uh, the audio equipment was a little bit less, a uh, little bit less refined as it, as it is now. The hosts were a little bit more rusty than they are now. Not to say they were not particularly still quite rusty. Look, I'm looking around your studio and I'm pretty impressed. Look at this fancy gear. Oh, yeah, we we have fancy gear. We have fancy presenters. We have a fancy community who listens. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, <laughs> but. But the podcast game certainly has changed. It, and it is really refreshing listening back to old podcasts. And so what I thought we might do today is bring back some of the segments that never quite made it forward. You know, first days, they're a little bit rough. But uh, to reminisce, we're going to go th- back and bring a segment I like to call Grace Reviews. So what is Grace Reviews? As the name suggests, we find a girl called Grace and we review her. <laughs> no, no, that isn't it, obviously. What it is, is we review a piece of media. It could be a book, could be a movie, anything like that. And speaking of podcasts, mm. there is a TV show right now that is all about these gentlemen and this lady, these people, who are making a podcast. What is this show called? Murders in the building? There are, in fact, only murders <laughs> in the building. <laughs> close enough. <laughs> only Close enough. So tell us more about only murders in the building. Only murders in the building. Okay, so it's about three strangers who share an obsession with true crime and suddenly find themselves wrapped up in one. When a grisly death occurs inside their exclusive Upper West Side apartment building, the trio suspects a murder and employs their precise knowledge of true crime to investigate the truth. This pretty much explodes and evolves into them investigating this crime and turning it into a podcast. Ooh. My question to you, Daniel, is why does everything have to turn into a podcast nowadays? Well, <laughs> good question. In the age of the internet, I think everything becomes much easier to do. Um, so, to spoil it for Grace Radio, the initial idea was to have a radio station, believe mm. it or not, and perhaps one day that may still occur. Uh, who knows? Let's, let's dream big. The reason why we start with the podcast is because starting a radio station is very prohibitive. You need to be able to transmit on specific frequencies, et cetera, et cetera. Ah, uh, sure. But podcasts, it's, I suppose it's like the purest sense of, does anyone actually care about what I'm talking about? Because if anyone cares, they have to search for it themselves. Mm. On the radio, you're driving in the car, uh, the 20th Miley Cyrus song comes on, and you don't hate it, so you leave it on. Yeah, sure. But if you're at home and you're choosing your own music, you're not going to choose that song. It's more selective. And so with podcasts, there's a certain degree of... Uh, taste. Taste and vulnerability almost mm. to see whether or not people actually care about the things that are being presented. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, I suppose that's good. Also, yeah, people can talk about stuff that don't normally get aired. Like talking about Eucharistic miracles tends to not get uh, much playtime <laughs> on 2GB or Triple M or another radio station. Yeah, it definitely opens the door to topics that people don't want to publicise in fear that um, they might be put down or they yeah. might be shut down. Yeah. So it definitely opens that avenue to kind of talk about topics that are a bit sensitive to the heart. Absolutely. Yeah, really, really good. Oh, this, is, this is podcast chat. Uh, anyway, tell me more about Only Murders in the Building. Let's get back to reviewing. We are a review, review channel. Review. Grace reviews. Let's go. Okay. Look, I, I mean, there is a bit of uh, vulgar language, but other than that, here's my favorite part of this TV series. Uh-huh. This is crime happening and they're just, it's, it's like an, a normal crime drama, but to be honest, I'm not really concerned about the crime. I yeah. actually love the connections that each person has 
each character has with each other. Yes. Because they, it's such, it's such a real, they have real conversations. Like half an episode was maybe two characters just sitting in the car, chatting and reminiscing about how they were in, what was it, Manhattan or Queens or somewhere. Yes. Um, and it was just so genuine and so real. Mm-hmm. And yeah, people just forget to have those conversations now. So Even though it's a show about death, really it's about these characters finding another life for themselves. <gasps> Well done. That was really summarized Thank beautifully. You. Thank you very much. You can put that on the poster if you if you like. I have to put a Grace Radio under it, but otherwise, yeah, no, it's it's lovely. It stars Steve Martin and Martin Short and mm. Selena Gomez. Oh, there's a plus. Um, so these are arguably comedic geniuses, very, very talented comedians. And so they add such levity. Steve Martin's so interesting because he can be funny just by sitting there and doing nothing, just by his <laughs> looks. You can read in his eyes how uncomfortable he is in certain scenes. Yep. Uh, oh, it's beautiful. I love how there's like a really good age demographic. Yeah. So you've got this just such a difference. So Selena Gomez's character, obviously she's younger, she's of a certain generation, and these two older men are just like, oh my gosh, what, what is with this generation? Uh-huh. Like why why do they have to act this way? Uh-huh. So it just it's breaking down, down those barriers between two different worlds. Yes. I think that's another aspect that I like. It so much. There's a conversation about why do kids always text or call? <laughs> and that was such a good conversation because you can see it from both perspectives. Like if you're watching with your family, like my parents are always like, oh, why, why don't kids call? <laughs> it's a conversation I've definitely had in real life. You know, It's very genuine, but they make it a lot more funny. So where can f- people find the, this show? I mean, we're doing a plug-in for Disney Plus, so that's where you'll find it. <laughs> uh, apparently, we're being sponsored by Disney Plus now. Um, yeah, so you can find it on Disney Plus. You can all find it in other places, I'm sure. Uh, apparently, it's on Hulu. And anyway, would you rate it? I'd probably give it like a 6.5, maybe 7 out of 10. Yes. Yeah. 7 out of 10, not bad, mm. not bad. Uh, I would, yeah, I'd, I think I'd give it about an 8 out of 10. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a good show. Give it a give it a watch. And ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoy that segment, I'm glad. And if you didn't enjoy that segment, now you know why Grace Reviews didn't have a second episode. Thank you for listening to Grace Reviews. Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Power Parables, where you and I step closer to God, one parable at a time. So for today, we'll be taking a look at a very famous parable. Um, that's in Matthew 22 and this one is called the parable of the wedding banquet now oh gosh what is the first thing you guys think when you think of a wedding banquet heaps and heaps of delicious scrumptious food (sighs) I think uh, attending a wedding banquet is definitely one of the things I want to do after freedom day Just the thought of being able to sink my teeth into some beautiful food is something I really look forward to. So I guess in today's uh, parable, we'll be answering the million dollar question. Who exactly gets to attend this lovely scrumptious wedding banquet? Would you like to find out? If so, if you'd like to read along with me, please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22, verses one all the way down to 14. And here we go. The parable of the wedding banquet. Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. 
Then he sent more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I prepared the dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized the servants, mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burnt their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite everyone to the banquet, anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there. He was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, How did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, Tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. So I think uh, this is quite an interesting parable that in my opinion ends off in with quite an interesting line. Um, that one being, for many are invited, but few are chosen. Uh, what do all of you think of that uh, particular line? I guess uh, in, my, in my perspective, uh, this line really refers to the fact that everyone, regardless of their social status or their past, is definitely invited to take a look into the Christian faith and see if they want to be a part of the community with God. But however, as mentioned in this parable, just because they're invited doesn't mean that they necessarily display the traits and actions that are required to be truly blessed and appreciated by God and therefore be able to attend the banquet. Just like the king said, there were people who were invited but then chose to decline an invitation and go and do uh, very bad acts like mistreating and murdering his servants. Similarly, in our day-to-day -day lives, we may be invited to join the faith but in some cases Maybe the people around us or even ourselves have turned away from God and committed various sins. But as I said here, that invitation is always open, right? Um, you're always invited and as long as you repent, then you're able to go back into the good graces and be part of that wedding banquet. And similarly, again, there may be people who seem like they're interested in joining God, but then don't properly honor the commitment that it requires. Just like the person who showed up but didn't wear the right clothes for the occasion, right? Signaling that he's not really there to be part of the wedding banquet and celebrate with the king. He's just there to get the food and go. And this is also not the right attitude. 
being a part of that wedding banquet means that you truly embrace and celebrate being with God. Uh, and so I think what this parable really tells us is that everyone is invited to be a part of the church. And even if you don't come from the right background or you have reservations about things you've done in the past, that doesn't mean that you're not invited. What's truly important is that from now on, you take the effort and time to cultivate a good relationship uh, with God to, to repair or good deeds and truly feel that being a part of the Catholic Church is something that you appreciate and are proud of. And that is the way in which you are able to feast with God at the marriage banquet. So what do you all think of this parable? Uh, please let me know. And really looking forward to reading another parable with you next episode. See you all. Bye. At the very end of my segment last fortnight, I talked about how we need to shift our focus to collaboration when we're working towards progress and success. When we think about how to have a positive impact on the world, our minds often go to imagining the steps we have to take as individuals. But why should we try to be better at working collaboratively? What are the real benefits of it? And how do we actually do it effectively? I think we've all had positive and negative experiences of working in a team. I know some professions or careers require a whole lot more group project-based work than others, but we've all had some kind of experience where we had to work in a group. All through your schooling life, you were probably made to work in a team for various tasks and told how important these teamwork skills would be later on in life. But I think sometimes there's a negative connotation with group work, well, at least from my experience in high school and uni, with with group work, there's always the risk of an imbalance of effort and contribution. Always one or two people who don't pull their weight and leave their work so that others have to do extra. Group work when done poorly can lead to massive frustration, conflict and, and failure. However, effective teams are able to achieve incredible things and develop close connections along the way. There's an American university professor called John Spencer who has a lot of interesting ideas about creative collaboration, and he emphasizes the key differences between cooperation and collaboration. The first point he makes is that cooperation involves mutual respect, understanding, and accepting of differences when working in a team, whereas collaboration revolves around the development of mutual trust. I kind of see it like cooperation as the bare minimum required when working in a team with someone else. And then collaboration is when everyone is able to integrate their ideas and planning and development to achieve something great. We all understand that communication is what is necessary for a team to function well, but I think the point that we always forget to think about is what motivates good communication. What motivates people to listen to each other, take their advice and their ideas, their criticism and suggestions, and use that to improve their own work output. The next distinction between cooperation and collaboration illustrates this point of motivation to communicate. So cooperation works when people are clear and honest about what they're doing and what their intentions are. When people share similar goals, they're able to work to achieve that if there is transparency between all. Collaboration, on the other hand, requires an element of vulnerability. 
it requires people to take risks in stepping outside of their comfort zone and being able to share their ideas, even when they might not be the best. It's about creating a community of trust where everyone is able to contribute without fear of judgment. One last point I wanted to touch on that really links back to our faith is that one of the most important things in collaboration is shared values. I don't know how many people have heard of the golden circle concept developed by Simon Sinek. He talks about it in terms of business, but I think it can be applied to any project or venture in our lives. The golden circle diagram has three sections or, or layers. And so along the circumference is the what. What path are you on? What are your actions you are taking in your day-to-day -day life? And what is the output of the project or task you're working on? One layer deeper is the how. How are you completing those tasks? How are you collaborating with others? And how do the things you're working on really impact the world? How does what you're doing in your life improve the world? The final layer or the center of the golden circle is the why. Why are you doing these things in your life? Why are you collaborating with these people? And why are you putting the short time you have on earth into working on these projects or doing the work you're doing? The center of the golden circle is the most important, the why, your true motivation behind your actions, your values. I think that's one of the most profound things for effective collaboration, shared values, being on the same wavelength of what's important with the people you work with. And I think this maps really well to Christianity. The what is the kind acts you show to others, the compassion you share, and the selflessness in your daily life. The how might be through learning empathy from Jesus and seeing the positive change you can create in the world through your career, through charity and volunteering, like Jesus and his disciples did. But what we must take the time to think about is the why. Ask yourself this question. And I'll leave you with this. Do the people you collaborate with truly share your values? And is it your values and morals that are the driving force behind your actions? Welcome back, listener. Now, we've been going for a while with Grace, almost a year. And you might remember from earlier episodes that one of the main things we did was interview uh, new additions to the parish. One person we've been waiting to interview for so long and now we're, we have the great pleasure of talking to him today is Father Marek and you would have seen him on the live streamed masses. So without further ado, Father Marek, hello. Hello to all. First question, Father Marek, is what, what do we call you? What do you like being called? Is Father, Father Marek, Father Walden, Mark, <laughs> what do you like being called? Yeah, Marek, it's a Polish version of Mark. Okay. Uh, so you can call me Marek, you can call me Mark. But do not call me as one uh, once somebody has um, pronounced my surname instead of Voldan, well that's how it sounds actually, mm. and they call me just well done. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. see, I see. <laughs> so... So you grew up in Poland then, right? Yes, yes, yes. I was uh -huh. born in Poland. What was your What was your family like? Do you have brothers and sisters, or? Yes, I, I still have my parents, uh -huh. and I have uh, my brother and my sister and the youngest in the family. I was brought, actually, still um, 
when communism was the the right thing in Poland. <laughs> uh, I mean, when we were thought that the communism is the, the good thing, uh, but uh, actually that was also the time when uh, all people they they knew that um, we have to fight against. And so I, my memories from my childhood are not the best ones. Right. That wasn't yeah. really not a good time. But um, then we we managed somehow. That was a really good time for the church. I mean, the church was uh, filled with people because uh, we all had something common, not only in religion, but also the church was a kind of um, empowering people to stand, to, to, to take a stand against um, the communism. Yeah. So, so when did you... When did you decide to enter the seminary? I was like uh, seven years old. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I did not understand it well yet. What does it mean? Uh, I just thought uh, I should be a priest. Hmm. <laughs> and then later on, of course, year by year, uh, I learned a lot about what actually does it mean to be a priest here. Yeah. yeah. I met actually a few people that you might know. Really? <laughs> Pray tell. <laughs> yeah, Father Bogdan is one of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and actually, telling truth, the other one that you know for sure, I met him in a seminary, exactly the one that we're talking about, but he was not studying there. He was just visiting, and that was the, yeah. the, uh, our Pope John Paul II. Really? Actually? In the seminary, yes. You saw the Pope John Paul II in the seminary? Yes, yes. Wow. I see. What was he, out of curiosity, what was he like <laughs> in the seminary? Um, that was actually blessing of the seminary uh-huh. because that was new seminary at that time. And that was shortly before or after uh, the World Tuesday in Poland, in, in Częstochowa, in my, in my city. And um, I wasn't even um, seminarian yet yeah. <laughs> this time, but somehow um, I've got the invitation to go there, and I took a chance. And that was my first photo with Pope. Mm. And uh, I mean, he was always like that. Um, I mean, he was always uh, the person that you know pull draw people near. And uh, I just remember him uh, doing the same uh, while he was blessing the seminary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. But yes, talking about Father uh, Bogdan, meeting Father Bogdan in the seminary. Yes, we were studying at the same seminary. Uh, he was one year, um, I would say in English, after me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Um, but he never told me that he's going... Um, um, actually, the, the way I was thinking before yet, so which means that uh, he never told me that he's going to be a missionary in Papua New Guinea. Mm. And I feel privately like he's told this uh, idea from myself, <laughs> <laughs> even though no, 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 he never, I, I never told him about it. About it. So we, we really consider this as a God's call. Although my vocation to be a missionary came to me when I was uh, doing grade nine, I knew I, I had to gain some um, 
practice some experience, pastoral experience first in yeah. Poland. So uh, I was six years as working as an assistant parish priest in Poland. Hmm. I, see, I see. And then from there you went to Papua New Guinea? That's correct. Yeah. How long did you spend in Papua New Guinea? That was almost uh, 13 years. 13 years. Oh, similar to Father Bogdan then. Do you have any good good memories? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I have all sorts of memories. Uh, Papua New Guinea uh, is a country that uh, you cannot predict much. And there was always something that surprised us. Uh, on a road, in a parish, you can plan things. But uh, very often they went the other way. And, uh, and I'm okay with this. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes uh, you may plan to go to some other place, that, but then um, because of the earthquake or because of uh, some other plob- problems on the road, you just stacked. Mm. In there you could not uh, go there or you, ca- you could not come back to your place. But um, most important is that uh, the people in the highlands, they are very open people. Yeah? And every time we've been doing something for a parish or for the school that belongs to the parish, they were there and they were to mm-hmm. help and they were happy to do it. Is there any like projects that, that you, you saw through? Yeah, in, in terms of projects, um, I'm, I'm happy that we, with the help of people, Papua New Guinea, and also with the help of, uh, of our Polish government, we have built a classroom um, at the school. Classroom that was designed to be a computer lab, which was uh, quite different from what the other schools um, were doing. Uh, I mean, that, that was the first computer lab. Wow. within the diocese for the primary school. And uh, the people, they were really very happy about it. You know, in the country, we're giving possibility to use a computer for someone means that they can get a job uh, even um, without completing a secondary school. That was a you know, quite big advantage, yeah. I mean, having... Having in mind that, I don't know, around 80% of population, mm. uh, they had no other job, just, uh, you know, f- uh, they were working as a farmers mm. on a small scale. So that was pretty, pretty kind of empowering them. Yeah, yeah it sounds massive. Yeah. In a mountain place, because that's where we were, uh, there are a lot of rivers, and then uh, we had a lot of bridges in there. One, the closest to our mission, and also bridge that was uh, bringing all supplies to the secondary school and to our primary school, have got, um, let me say, deteriorated. <laughs> it was... Uh, <laughs> It was like almost to collapse. And I I was actually the only one to drive through this bridge because it was too dangerous. So we decided that we have to do something. And then we did. So we we just removed the old bridge with the locks and then we we set the um, cement. That's pretty major. We we built kind of much more permanent bridge. 
Right. Welcome back to Jack's Big Fact. My name's Jack. I've got a fact, and it's a doozy. Now, I'm sure we're all familiar with Swiss cheese. If you were playing a game of Pictionary and you got the word cheese, I can guarantee that you would draw a wedge of cheese with holes in it. You would draw Swiss cheese. But why, oh why, listener, does Swiss cheese have holes? Fear no more, for I have the answer. To make Swiss cheese, different types of bacteria are mixed with cow's milk. The bacteria helps create curds, which are then put into molds and left to ripen. Now, it's during this ripening process that the magic happens. One of the bacteria, Propionibacterium frederici, also known as P. shermany, consumes the lactic acid in the curd. One of the waste products of this procedure is carbon dioxide. It is this carbon dioxide that creates bubbles, that creates little air pockets, which result in the holes of Swiss cheese. The size of the holes can be controlled by cheesemakers through the acidity, temperature, and maturing time. So there you go, gang. The next time you win Pictionary because you guessed cheese correctly, you can thank the bacteria P. shermany. What do you like about Australia? <laughs> well, before I came here, uh, I already heard some opinions that the Australians are very kind people. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I can say so because every time I'm, I'm asking somebody, you know, correct my English, you know, after, after the mass, they will say, oh, Father, you... You have very good English, which is <laughs> which I know it's not correct. It's not <laughs> true. I mean, I mean, I mean, I like that they try. I mean, they are very kind. Yeah, but sometimes I, I need somebody to tell me the truth about <laughs> what I'm doing wrong. Otherwise, I will not make the correction in my English. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I'm like um, one one and a half months only in here, uh-huh. and I I do not have much experience to compare this parish to any other parish because that's my first parish and I, I, I came here. But I I found something uh-huh. I can say as a very big plus, the positive in this parish is that we have a lot of things going on in here. Yeah. Like the like a like a radio yeah, podcast. <laughs> that's the, the first thing of course. <laughs> I, I cannot. I can't bring to my mind any other parish that they have uh, radio. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but also, you know, some groups, as I see, uh, many groups working in the parish, uh, mentioning the um, Kana group, the Antioch, and the Imayas. Yeah, yeah, Emmaus. <laughs> and then also the main of Joseph, St. Joseph. Mm. Mm. Anyway, there are many groups and also I see many people just supporting the parish in all sorts of ways. Yeah. Okay, so in Papua New Guinea, 
you speak po- you speak Polish, Pidgin, and English. Yes. And correct. we asked Father Bogdan the same thing. What's your favorite phrase in Polish? I think right now I I, I can't uh, bring to my mind some favorite phrase in Polish. But anyway, as you as you just spoke about the emails, <laughs> that's correct. Uh, that's how we pronounce the name of the town where the two disciples were heading after Jesus' uh, resurrection. Yeah? We call it just Emmaus. Emmaus. But I know that in English that might bring another thing to mind. <laughs> <laughs> You're taking Father Bogdan's side on this one. <laughs> <laughs> no, because we, we, we're both Polish, yeah? I see, I see. <laughs> uh, and and Polish. for me, for, yeah, for me, the pronouncing is, I mean, it's written the same way, exactly, yeah? Uh-huh. So the, the spelling is, I mean, the same, but the pronouncing is totally different, <laughs> yeah? For us, we call it Emmaus, but then you call it, it was hard for me even to memorize it, how you can read it. <laughs> Emmaus, huh? Is that how correct? How do we say it? Emmaus or something. Emmaus, okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a word in Polish that you think describes you? That's a question that mine remain unanswered. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I've never heard about one word uh, that will describe me. Sorry, no, no treat this time. <laughs> but y- you may ask me how we pronounce the Emmaus in Pidgin. Okay, yeah, yeah. How do you M- pronounce Emmaus? Emmaus. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I see. <laughs> I'm curious, is there anything that you want to see happen in this parish? Oh, yeah, definitely. I've seen every parish. I'm just looking forward uh, for the doors of the church to be opened uh-huh. <laughs> for all. No, but, I, you know, I'm here to get some experience. I, when I come into a new place, uh, what I do, I just suspend all my you know ideas, thinking of what I've what's doing before or what I've seen before. I need to come first and see how the things works here. Mm-hmm. So it's too, too way too early to ask uh, what I would like to change. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as for now, I would not change anything. <laughs> Except the doors. Doors, doors, for sure, doors. <laughs> okay. We have some like random quick questions, but you have to answer quickly and short, short answers. So, what do you do in your free time? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. okay. <laughs> have you uh, have you heard of the Lord of the Rings? Yes. Who's your favorite character in the Lord of the Rings? I don't know. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> uh, are you a morning or a night person? Night person. Okay. Night all. <laughs> um, do you drink coffee or tea? Tea. Uh huh. What's your favorite sport? Formula One. Formula One. I've, as an aside, have you ever driven in an F1 car? No, no, but I, I know mm, the only Australian uh, Formula One driver, and I already told that somebody in this room reminds me about his smile. I wonder, I wonder. 
What's your oh? What's your favorite type of music? I really like the uh, kind of worship. Uh, oh. If you ask me specifically about the favorite band, then mm. I would say right now, because it's changing. Yeah, but right now it's uh, Casting Crowns. You know? Cast is it Casting Crows? Casting Crown. Casting Crowns. Casting Crowns. Yeah. I see. I see. Okay, we'll, we'll go check them out. Looks like you, you don't know them yet. Oh, oh, no, 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 I'm, 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 I'm aware. How you can know the the Lord of the Rings and you don't know the Casting Crowns? I know, it's disgraceful. <laughs> <laughs> um, final question. What is your favourite saint? Who is your favourite saint and why? Yeah, It's also changing, but for a long time now, it's just recently celebrated uh, Saint Teresa of Lisieux. And I would not uh, remember exactly her favorite, like uh, wording, say, but uh, it was something like this. If people would know what the mass, the holy mass really is, then there have to be kind of guardians or security for the masses. My English version of her words might not be the exact one. <laughs> Oh, that's good. All right, Father Mark, you I guess you are known now. You are known in the parish, officially. It's been Thank a pleasure. You. Thank you for having me. And may God bless you and this radio. Thank you. Welcome back to the parish update for this fortnight. This segment is sponsored by no one and brought to you by Jack. First up on the agenda, air conditioning at St. Jared's is under construction with the new gas-powered condensers being lifted into place by crane a couple weeks back. Repairs to the guttering and eaves at the back of St. Jared's will also be done as part of the air conditioning installation. Now, I'm sure some of you, if not all of you, are interested in unlocking the mysteries of the Bible. So you are invited to join those Unlocking the Mystery of the Bible on Tuesday the 5th of October in the morning or in the evening. Jeff Cavins will be opening up the Bible for you and as a group you'll discuss the section of the Bible you have read and you'll discover how God's plan is unfolding for us. Unlocking the Mystery of the Bible is offered to everyone no need to go out, just join online in the safety of your own home. You can invite neighbours from a parish, friends and family also are invited. So get keen and be sure to let Dennis McNamara know you are joining. His contact details can be found on the parish website. And remember, that's Dennis with one N, one S. Earlier this month, we remembered in our prayers the safety and well-being of children and young people, especially those who are particularly vulnerable due to COVID-19. Thank you to Bishop Anthony for celebrating the Safeguarding Sunday Mass on the 12th of September. The Mass was streamed from the Cathedral at Waitara, and a link to the recorded Mass can be found on the parish website. But the biggest news of this fortnight, ladies and gentlemen, is that the church doors will be open very soon. Next week, in fact. We have all been eagerly awaiting the end of stay-at-home public health orders, which will include places of worship being open for fully vaccinated people from Monday, October the 11th. 
we will indeed have both of our churches open for personal prayer from this day. However, keep in mind, Bishop Anthony has directed that masses will not commence until New South Wales reaches the 80% vaccination threshold, likely to be only two weeks later. So, in all, from October 11th, we invite you, if you are vaccinated, to come to your church to spend time in prayer before the Blessed Sacrament in the Tabernacle, checking in, of course, with the QR code and wearing a mask. Well, there you have it, folks. Two weeks have come and gone. Two more weeks have come to an end. On top of that, it has been a full year since we started here on Grace. So to all of you that have stuck around since day one, thank you. This gig can seem empty of purpose at times, but when we get your feedback, when we hear you've enjoyed the latest episode, it makes it all worthwhile. So thank you, listener, and we'll see you next episode.